Well, hi there, and welcome to my podcast where I invite you to run with me after memories and shape them into stories. On this show, I'll also share samples of my writing and interesting moments from everyday life. I'm your host, Ruru Sig, and today you're listening to my first podcast, The Story Chaser. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of The Story Chaser. I'm going to start out by sharing a little phrase I like to use called, Things are things. I say it many times a day, especially at my job. And it's my way of surrendering to um, a moment that's beyond me, a moment that's overwhelming, um, something I don't understand. I kind of just put my arms up and I say, things are things. And I'll tell you what, even though I can't quite explain it or articulate what I'm talking about, people understand and they like it and they go along with it and they say, thank you. Things are things. So you go ahead and borrow that, folks, anytime you need to. Things are things. Now, my sister Anne will listen to this and say, don't do the thing where you over-explain yourself. But I'm going to, because things are things. Um, The following piece is definitely a rough draft. I'm not sure that it has a place in my future book, but it has a place on the show. And um, I felt it and I wrote it. So uh, I didn't clean it up very much. I'm doing it again. Sharing a rough Um, so that's my explanation. I'm done. Done over explaining. Now the piece. For tonight's story, I am sharing a piece from my life called Run Like the Wind, Bruce. Have you ever been in a circumstance where a person takes you under their wing, but ends up actually needing you more than you needed them? And the whole time you never asked for any of it? Yeah. Me too. When I was 22 years old, I rented an apartment in a suburb outside the city. It was my second apartment in life, but my first time ever living alone. When moving my things in, I had the pleasure of meeting my neighbor and soon-to-be friend called Bruce. He lived in the unit directly below mine. Everything about Bruce was fantastically flamboyant and flawlessly groomed. A haircut every few days. And he loved things. He loved his things so much that he often wore them all at once. His ankle-length fur coat entered a room before he did. His mirrored Ray-Ban sunglasses reflected the world before him drab until he arrived, which included myself wearing amazement in my expression as he approached. I could hear the charms dangling from his bracelet graced over his manicured hands, yet his steps smooth and his perfectly tailored jeans resting upon his designer shoes. Bruce's presence was like holding down papers during an unexpected summer afternoon wind, insisting the yard is a good place to write any important documents. He would knock on my apartment door, and when I answered, he placed a gift bag in my hand while letting himself in, all in one fast motion. After removing his sunglasses, because I guess the one flight up indoors was bright, 
Um, He would release his coat away from his shoulders to fall upon my sofa, spin and strike a pose, the arm of his sunglasses resting upon his bottom lip. It was immediate that he would find something to critique in my new apartment. Oh, so we are going with the lavender hand towels then, huh? Ooh, so that's where we're at with that. He would say from the bathroom to me, who was only just closing the door at that point and peeking into the bag and posed in my hands. I would sigh quietly, pulling from it yet another far from my character object, like a t-shirt reading brat across the front. Thanks, Bruce. You really didn't have to, though. I'd say out loud and think privately, why did I go through your mind when you saw this? He would make himself comfortable on my couch and I would offer to make us coffee. After assuring me he only had time for one cup, we would chat ourselves through the whole pot. You must be joking. No way did she go out with him after a stunt like that. He would always engage wholeheartedly in my gossip about friends that he never really knew. Bruce was like a safe landing pad for me to talk some major shit about people. Everything that I said was delicious to Bruce, and this kept him knocking at least twice a week, each time a gift bag being his ticket to the ride into my life. My new apartment became the grounds for for gaudy paraphernalia gifted visit after visit, leopard print throw pillows clashing with my maroon suede couch, the cookie jar that yelped, Ooh, every time the lid was lifted. Little figurines of animals that held my chip bags closed tight. The bright, fuzzy purple robe with beads down the underarms and slippers that were shaped like cow bodies, tail and all. All of it, once in a gift bag, hanging from his wrist and now in my life. Although he dressed to the nines, He drove a modest tan four-door car, which he appropriately named Honey Bear. Honey Bear and I went riding through some country roads today, he once announced. His white scarf draped over his shoulder breezed my face in his passing through my doorway. He presented me with a small basket of plastic apples, a gift from his travels. Like the illusion of having fresh fruit at all times was more important than actually eating the real thing. These will look so lovely on your kitchen table, he joyfully exclaimed while placing them just there. He put himself on my laundry schedule as well, poking his head around the doorway of the laundry room on the first floor. Oh, I didn't realize you were in here. Are you using all three machines at once? He would ask, but then plop his basket on top of the unoccupied one anyway. He would both ask and answer many of his own questions. Oh, girl, you are not about to use hot water on denim, are you? He was appalled by my choices. No, no, no. It's cold water, delicate, and very little soap. Oh, here, just move over he would demand by taking the clothes out of my hands. 
Okay. And you turn them inside out also. Bruce, what difference does it make if the genes are inside out? They're submerged in water. I questioned him. While holding them over the barrel in deep consideration over what I just asked, he dropped them in, slammed the lid down and said, you sound just like my ex-wife. I couldn't decide if I should have been insulted or curious. There was an ex-wife? True to his wind-like nature, Bruce would unveil things about himself that often left me shocked. While snapping his articles of clothing one by one before dropping them into the barrel, he would ask, So, how was work last night? And I fell for his deflection. Oh my God, a delivery driver was fired in the middle of the dinner rush. He took all the money he was supposed to turn in for his deliveries to the off-track betting and lost it gambling. No, he reacted, eating up my every word and stomping his feet with delight. Oh, that is just awesome. I was only invited into his place once, and much to my surprise, it was a very simple home. He had a black leather couch, plain white vertical blinds, a black coffee table, and a television in his living room. The kitchen counters were empty, not even a sugar bowl etched with flowers or anything. It was that day that I discovered he saw our visits as a two-for-one. He could spend time with me and visit the trinkets he didn't want to junk his own place up with. Yet I still didn't mind. We carried on sometimes walking the hall together, and our friendship made our neighbors curious or maybe envious. Either way, they wouldn't hide their expressions or snide grins, I'll say. This didn't bother either of us, especially Bruce, who would express his thoughts openly once safe in my apartment. (laughs) Is she kidding with that outfit or what? I would just laugh and scoop the coffee into the maker. Bruce, so help me if you're moving that armchair again, I shouted over the bubbling coffee. Just try it in a new corner for one hour. I promise it'll change the whole room, honey, he begged. That was Bruce, always moving, changing things around. He couldn't relax unless there was change. I accepted this about him, and I could have been the only one who did, because his visits were more and more frequent, until they weren't. The wind of Bruce went still. I hadn't had a knock on my door for one week, and then that turned into two. Honeybee's hood was cool to the touch at any hour of the day, and that told me she hadn't even been started up. I would have been more concerned if I didn't hear his television snap on at night, my ear pressed to the floor, pretending we were watching together. I missed my friend, so I bought a small basket and filled it with a bag of coffee and some cookies. I made my way down the stairs to his door and lightly knocked. Yes, I heard the weak answer of Bruce, his peephole darkened with his pupil. Hey there. I have a little something for you. I hope you're okay, I said into the floor, sending my friendship under his door. Okay, just leave it on the mat, please, and thank you, was his response. And it heavied my heart to place the gift down and walk away.
but I respectfully did so. I was on the landing of the stairs when I caught the stench of depression from his dulled down wind being only a breeze with his door opening. Through the side vision of the railing, I saw a whole new man bend down to retrieve his gift. A man with a five o'clock shadow, draped in a dingy robe. There were no charms dangling from his plain hand picking the basket up. Although he was brave enough to place a flat palm up, as if to send me a high five from a distance. His eyes were worn red from tears. I felt silent in a way that wasn't peaceful when I, fin- when I was finally behind my own door upstairs. His sudden transformation was yet another shade revealed. It broke my heart and presented one of those rare life moments when you can actually feel yourself growing up a little more. It was only a few days later that I heard some buzzing neighbors in the hallway. I went out and down the stairs to hear clearly what they were on about, and the group turned at once towards me. I was fresh ears and eyes to what they already had a few minutes with. Bruce's door was left wide open to an empty apartment. I stepped in and walked slowly, as if he would pop out from behind a wall to shout, Just kidding! I'm having the place redecorated! But no such luck. He was gone. The wind had picked up again, carrying him off as dramatic as he always arrived. Later that day, I was brewing some coffee for one as I flipped through the pages of the suburb's local newspaper. The middle section had a short column listing arrests for crimes in the area. I sipped my coffee, scanning through break-ins into homes and cars and the occasional bar fight. I found myself shaking the pages, hoping to jumble the words around when I read a specific crime because I could not believe my eyes. It stated that the police were on the hunt for a local man who had frequently shoplifted from a store one block away from my building. They released his name, and it was none other than my dear friend Bruce. I dropped the paper as my eyes darted everywhere, spotlights falling upon every gift I had from him. All of it was sizzling, if you know what I mean. I had an apartment full of red-hot souvenirs from Bruce's adventures that apparently only existed in his mind. What a fantastic mind to believe such, when the reality was he was only visiting a local store designed for those who needed things like a banana and a throw rug in one visit. Holy cats, all of it was stolen. I went to the window and looked out to nothing, but visualized him and Honeybee escaping, a new wind at his back. And with my hands wrapped around my oversized coffee mug, embroidered in neon pink letters that read, You go, girl. Through the rising steam of the coffee, I let the wind carry a message to my friend. Run, Bruce, run. Well, this is as good a place as any to end this episode. My name is Ruru Sig, and I thank you for listening to The Story Chaser. Remember, there are stories everywhere. The key is to focus in on the little memories to find the bigger moments. My promise to you is that I'll keep chasing those stories. Be well, folks, and go ahead. Have a wonderful life.